Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. All right, this is uh, the last installment in the series Wisdom. And I want to just start by reminding you, uh, on a Sunday morning when we try to preach for a half hour, uh, I cannot possibly deliver everything that you actually need. All right, on a, on a Sunday morning in a half hour service. And if I may say, you don't like me to preach for an hour. So we have to come to uh, an agreement together, and I'll remind you of this. Um, what you need to do is you need to meditate on the Word of God um, as it's coming from the heart of our church. And what that looks like is not going and watching 52 other churches during the week, because what you actually need is the heart of Generations Church if you're a part of Generations Church. So I want to remind you of that this morning. And when we're talking about this series on wisdom, that you need to be wise with your time, you need to be wise in your investment, you need to be wise with how you principle and how you rule your own life, how you run your family, all of these things we're trying to share with you because we have watched people over the many years we've been in ministry and over the many years that my, 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 my parents and others who have gone before have spent in ministry watching people build and crumble lives, raise up a family only to watch it fall apart because they abandoned some of the godly principles that are so clear in his word. Guys, we live in a hard day. We live in a day where there's a lot of not wisdom out there. There's a lot of not wisdom out there. It's a sad thing. Some of you have seen some of the memes we've been posting. It's a sad day when the tag of a t-shirt has to tell you to remove the child before washing. Okay? You've maybe seen the meme that said, you think we're all so smart, but 50 years ago, the owner's manual of your car told you how to rebuild the carburetor. Today, it tells you not to drink the contents of the battery. There's a whole lot of not wisdom out there. I, I cannot imagine. I'm old enough to have been taught by my dad on the farm, in the bush, that we can build and fix anything. And if someone put it together, we can take it apart, probably fix it, stick her back together, and make it get back to town. That's how I grew up. Today, we don't live in a world that sees things that way at all. And so, we need to return to biblical wisdom. We need to return to a biblical worldview so that we can enjoy life in this world so that we can live a prosperous life in this world, not have prosperity necessarily, but to live a prosperous life, to have benefit, to take the kingdom of Jesus farther than it could go than if we hadn't been here. All of these things are going to tie back to wisdom. And this verse we have been uh, seeding in and out and memorizing throughout this series is James chapter 1, verse 5. We'll put it up for you, uh, even though I know you have memorized it already. It says, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now, again, I know that you know this verse, because I know that you're, you're great church people, and you have been memorizing it, I hope. Well, some of you probably haven't, but some of you have. Um, and we floated it through the series because this is a verse that you should apply in your life every day. This is a verse that that needs to be understood, it needs to be contemplated, it needs to be taken from knowledge to understanding, which, by the way, is the process of wisdom. I don't know if I'll remember to come back to this, but I want you to understand that wisdom ultimately is digested knowledge. 
It's not enough just to have knowledge, right? The Bible says that knowledge puffs up, but love builds. So we know that knowledge in and of itself is not the solution or the answer, but knowledge that has been digested, knowledge that has been applied rightly, knowledge that has been understood, comprehended, taken captive, and made to be understood, that is wisdom. So God, who has all knowledge and all power, has all wisdom because he has comprehended all knowledge. Maybe it's best to say he is, he is the comprehension of all knowledge. Um, now, we could take that philosophical trail and talk for a half hour about it, but we got to come back to what I, what I feel the Spirit is saying we need to accomplish this morning. So we have this verse that we've been putting to you for the last three or four weeks. The question is, do you know it? Are you going to apply it? And that really is the big question. Are you going to apply this truth that when you lack wisdom, you can ask God and he'll give it to you generously? Will you actually ask? Here's my observation. And I don't mean this in a harsh or negative way even. It's just my observation. The answer to that question is no, most will not. Most people won't ask God. And when we do ask God, I think we recall and we read into this verse and we do so from the perspective only of our need, our lack of wisdom. And I think that we do actually acknowledge that we lack wisdom, but that's where it stops and that's where a new problem begins. You see, it's not enough just to admit that, well, I lack wisdom or that I don't have the answer. That's actually not enough. What that would be, in my opinion, is virtue signaling. Well, none of us really has the handle on truth. I've heard pastors say that. That's scary. Um, if we know Jesus, we should have some handle on the truth. Whether you're a pastor, a preacher, a teacher, a leader, a father, mother, a child in a home, if you know Jesus, he is the way, he is the truth and the light. So for the believer, it is entirely possible to have a handle on the truth. Deeply concerning to me that I've heard brothers in Christ say, well, we don't, we don't have the handle on truth. Well, we got to have some handle on truth. It is, after all, an absolute. When we realize our lack of wisdom, we have only identified the problem. And if we've only identified the problem and stopped there, then we haven't realized or pursued or applied the solution to the problem in the right way. If you lack wisdom, the Bible says, ask God who gives, in other translations, liberally, generously, graciously. These are all very... Very nice words, but essentially, he gives freely to you without busting your chops about it. In other words, God doesn't say to you, when you come, Lord, I need wisdom, I don't know what to do. God doesn't say, well, why is that, you dummy? Right? God doesn't berate you when you come. That's the promise of the word of God this morning for you is, God is not going to belittle or berate you when you come in the admission that you need wisdom from him. But then why, my question is, for you... Do we act as though God is going to somehow belittle us if we admit that we don't know? This creates a problem for us. And what it creates in terms of its problem is a whole generation or a whole group of people who don't have the ability to inquire of the Lord. Now, you want a word study? I'll give you a word study. Old Testament, New Testament. Every single time, it talks about inquiring of the Lord. Go start, go start in your concordance, start reading the verses. And you will see 
Kings and rulers and leaders and preachers and teachers who rose to success because they inquired of the Lord. And you will see the same who failed because they would not inquire of the Lord. You see, for us to inquire of the Lord is the beginning of our attaining wisdom. Now the Bible does say the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but it's not the kind of fear that makes you shake in your boots. It's not Halloween kind of fear. It's not scared of the dark kind of fear. It is that understanding, that acknowledgement that He is so high, so far above and beyond who we are, that it is fearfully, wonderfully awesome. And when we come in that heart and we come in that knowledge of knowing that He is so much more than we are, that we make inquiry of the Lord as to what we should do, that is the point we begin to find success. Outside of that, let me tell you what, there is no success. There really is. There might be something that looks like success. There might be success for a small season, but there will not be lasting success for those who do the things they do without first inquiring of the Lord. Now, this is vitally important to me personally. It's vitally important for the leadership of our church, and it's vitally important to us for your sake. So go ahead and study. I'm going to jump you ahead just a little bit to give you uh, a robust understanding. The Hebrew word for inquire is, is shall all. And that basically means to ask. 49 times it's translated as ask. 41 times in the past tense. And then it goes on. Here's some other words, some synonyms that go with this that are translated this way in the Bible. Asking, beg, beg, begs, borrow, borrowed. Consult, dedicate, demand. Wait a second. Are we allowed to demand of the Lord? Well, the Bible says so. Okay. Um, earnestly asked, greeted, inquire, making inquiry. Um, the question, the questioning, being particular in the request, the requiring of the Lord, the seeking after the Lord. All of these things are the translation of this Hebrew word shawal, which means to inquire of the Lord. In the New Testament, we find the word ahiteo, which is the same kind of thing. Although it doesn't translate as inquire, it simply means to ask, to be asking, to make a request. And there's urgency to this. It's not just, well, have you, hey, have you asked the Lord? Have you earnestly asked the Lord? Are you seeking His will? So my question, have you inquired? Have you asked of the Lord? And depending on your situation, how desperate your situation is, have you asked accordingly? Because here's what happens in your life and in my life. I assume it happens in your life because it does happen in mine. We have an issue that is incredibly pressing to us, and we kind of forget about inquiring of the Lord. And so one day while you're driving your vehicle into town or around town, or wherever it be, trying not to flip people the bird, you know, being Christian doing the things that you know you shouldn't do. Well, I thought you'd be able to laugh at that. Clearly, we have a bird-flipping problem in our church still. Um, and it occurs to you by the Holy Spirit, hey, you really should ask your Father in heaven about this. And so you're like, oh, yeah, right, Lord, what should I do about this? Now, you got to understand that that request is not necessarily going to befit all of the concerns you have. And so... I'm trying to point out to you that based on your need, you should be making your request. Based on your need, you should be inquiring of the Lord. Because I'll tell you something, it's a different level of inquiry when your prayer that morning is, Dear Jesus, what socks should I wear today? 
right? Or, Lord, tell me, should we buy this house or property or not? These are two different things. Lord, what should we do in pursuing treatment for my wife who has a heart condition? Do you understand what I'm saying? These are, those are not flippant requests, whereas maybe socks are. Just for the record, God does have an opinion about the things you're doing in your life. Believe it or not, even though there's a big difference between the question of socks and buying a house, God is still interested and has an opinion on both. Listen to me. He really does. Let me be clear. Most days, what you wear, God may not have a super strong opinion about. Just want to be clear, lest you flood heaven with questions about socks. Dear Jesus, is it okay today if my socks don't match? He might not have an opinion, not a strong opinion. But can I just suggest to you this morning that he actually might be interested to hear from you? And even if you got to start at socks, because that's all you feel that you have in terms of faith, that would actually be a great place to start. Now, we can kind of chuckle about that, but let me tell you a brief story about a man I met, a pastor I met, who was serving Jesus in a part of the world where drug cartels were running his town. The Lord literally told him one day, he had been given a very nice watch, and I can't quite remember the detail. Maybe the watch was stolen. I believe the watch was stolen. So he went to a store to replace his watch. And when he was standing there looking to buy a watch, a wristwatch, a timepiece, he could have bought the Casio or he could have bought, you know, the, the Tag or the Tag Hauer or whatever the fanciest watch you could think of it is. But for whatever reason, he sensed the Lord clearly tell him, buy that watch to wear on your wrist. So in obedience, he did. Remember, we don't think God always has an opinion about what we wear, but I'm telling you today, he has an opinion, and that's why you need to inquire of him. It wasn't very long later that this pastor was driving in his vehicle in the streets of his city, and a drug cartel that was furious with him for converting people from drug addiction and drug selling to Christianity put a hit out on him. And as he was driving his car, they pulled up beside him with automatic weapons and dumped the magazines of their automatic weapons into his car. Naturally, he shielded himself with his hand, which, if you think about it, makes no sense because guess what? Hands don't stop bullets. But you know what does stop bullets when God told you to put it on? Wristwatches. That pastor was able to share his testimony because God cared and he sought to inquire of the Lord the day he bought a watch. So we can joke about socks, but at the same time, please hear me this morning, it's never a joke to inquire of the Lord. Because what he has you wear, what he has you wear, that was for the newfies, what he has you wear on that day might matter a great deal for your future. Yes, my son. And Lauren said, Amen. Listen. It's a joke when we say, Jesus, what kind of socks should I wear? But what if, what if you ought to be inquiring of the Lord? And why wouldn't you? What does it cost you to inquire of the Lord? Well, it costs you pride. It does that. I don't really need to ask the Lord about what I should eat, says the guy who eventually becomes 400 pounds and dies of a heart attack. Come on. God has an opinion about what you wear. And for the teenage girls in our church, especially teenage girls with the last name Hansen, who are the daughters of Travis and Amy Hansen, 
I want you to know that God does have an opinion, praise Jesus, about how you dress. And the whole church said amen. amen. And you can read about that in 1 Timothy 2.9. God actually does have an opinion about how we dress. And there's a reason for it. And we ought to make inquiry of the Lord, even on how we dress, how we present ourselves, how we move into the world, how we have conversations. Guys, you can't do this on your own. You need to inquire of the Lord because He has the answer for your moment. Now, this is why I'm, I'm hammering down on this. God has opinions about your life. He has opinions about your choices, your opportunities. He has opinions about what you prioritize. And yes, some of them matter more than others, but you will never know unless you begin to inquire. I had a deep question of God at one point in my life. I was young. I was uh, late teens, considering what Bible college I should go to. And I had some opportunity. I was actually a pretty good wrestler, and, and I knew about this school in Michigan, I believe it was, and, and I could go try out and maybe get a scholarship. And, and, uh, and, you know, I'd done well as a high school student being a wrestler, and I had an invitation to go to nationals, but I, I, long story, I had lost uh, the gold medal match in provincials that year, and um, I, I was too heartbroken. I didn't go. And uh, my dad, I, remember, I think my dad was actually a little bit, frustrated with me, to say the least, that I wouldn't go, because I was good at it. Um, I remember, though, in those times, in those days, in those years of my life, saying, God, what do you want me to do? Where should I go? How, which school, God? I know it matters so much to you. And you know what? You know what God spoke to me in this? He said, listen, son, you can go to any school you want. I'm going to bless you either way. See, that's not the answer most of us are expecting to hear from God. But if you never ask the question, you'll never learn what kind of answers to expect. And you know, many times in my life since that day, I have heard God say, son, it's okay. I'm going to bless you either way. And now I've got to be clear. It's not like God has ever said, and thanks for asking me. I've never sensed him say that. But what I do know is that he cares about the fact that I asked him. Amen. And God cares about the fact that you are inquiring of him when you make decisions. When you ask, the way people normally ask is sadly not really asking God. Do you know what I mean by that? Did you ask the Lord? Oh, yes, I asked the Lord. Well, how did you ask the Lord? Well, I asked all my friends. Well, what did they say? Not what I wanted to hear. So then I went to the internet, right? And I searched the internet and I read some books. And finally, I found someone who agreed with what I wanted to do all along. So yes, I've inquired. you haven't inquired of the Lord if you do that. You're just cycling opportunities and opinions until you find one that lines up with what you wanted to do. That is not inquiring of the Lord. Let me be very clear with you. In fact, I will go so far as to say what you're actually doing in that case is sinning. You're, you're not doing what is right. The Bible says, he who knows what he ought to do and yet does not do it, sins. So it's no, we, we don't have an excuse here. Not asking God is not asking God. And your intent and your heart and your posture matter in these things. When you do it this way, you're simply lying to and misleading yourself. And let, let me just say, you know what happens as a result is you're going to be in the wilderness for a very long time when in truth, the trip across the wilderness was just four or five days. Ask me why I know. Well, I know because of history. I know because of the history of the people of God. This is not a new thing. So, 
I'd like us for context now this morning to read this passage together in context. And the context of this verse, James 1, 5, is actually James 1, 2 through 8. So I'm going to put it up on the screen and, 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 and let's read this. Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials. Knowing, someone say knowing. Knowing, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Someone say lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, someone say lacks wisdom. Let him ask God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But, someone say but. but. He must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf. And what's surf like? Everybody in the ocean, what does surf look like? It is foamy, it is seaweedy, it is bubbly goo full of air. That's what I see when I go to the ocean. Doesn't make me want to run around and play in it necessarily. He's like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For that person, now listen carefully, for that person ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. Being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Our problem, as you've heard me say many times before in our church, is that people forget, they fail to contextualize verses in the Bible. They become one verse wonders. And we can stand there on verse 5 and say, yeah, it's all good. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But the next verse says, but, which tells us what? It tells us there's more. There's a problem with a process if we stop there. And I love that word but right here, because that word but takes everything that we're reading there and applies it to what we read formerly. So this is a verse about faith and about wisdom. But the two aren't separate. In fact, the two are very much married to each other. You need to understand that word, but it refers to the former verses. The line that people draw between wisdom and faith is actually not a dividing line but a connecting line. And so many people, so many people, maybe you wouldn't even see this in your own life or maybe you don't recognize it in the lives of people around you, but let me tell you something that's so true here. Many people have a separation between faith and wisdom. And honestly, it makes all of us look crazy. Real crazy. Now, I'm not saying that it's always bad because the wisdom of the world is the foolishness of God. So depending on the wisdom we're talking about matters greatly to our conversation. But nonetheless, we as the people of God need to understand that wisdom and faith are actually interconnected. And the way God designed it is that these two things would be in relationship as He and I are in relationship. I'll explain more on that in a moment. Consider it joy. Let me paraphrase this just a little bit with you to try and, and deliver the point. Consider it joy when you find yourself in trials, knowing that the testing... What is knowing? Knowing is possessing knowledge. It's possessing knowledge. It is digested knowledge. To know something in a way that doesn't apply to any part of reality is useless knowledge. It might be useful in the future, but it's not useful presently. 
Because it's not applied. It's not digested. It's not owned. Knowing would be having laid hold of knowledge. That the testing of your faith produces endurance. Okay, well, it produces endurance. Well, endurance for what? Is this just a blank check that God... So, so knowing that the testing of my faith produces endurance, so I should run a marathon. No, that would be misapplied. And wisdom would say, you're too overweight to run the marathon. Don't do it. <laughs> Let me tell you what. I recently started training again in a, in a grappling sport uh, because I really do enjoy grappling. And uh, if you read the book of Genesis, a friend of mine pointed this out to me two weeks ago, that grappling really is, it is the holy fighting art of the Bible because it's what God did with Israel. They, they wrestled, they grappled. And uh, growing up as a child who got to wrestle with my father nonstop, nonstop, I understand the love of our heavenly father as he grappled with Israel. Okay? Now listen. There is a purpose to everything God brings us to. We, we believe that. We say we believe that. I think we seldom know that in the moment of our testing. But what this testing does, it produces endurance. What's the endurance for? Well, the greater context of this conversation in Scripture is what? The trial. The tribulation. The time of temptation. So it produces endurance for going through the trials and what's the purpose of going through trials but to perfect and complete you? See, a lot of things you think on a daily basis could really be undone by this message this morning. Because we're going to take and place ourselves in the context. You see, let me just say this. We don't come to church to examine church. We come to church, we come to the Word of God not to examine it but be, to, to be examined by it. Yes, we come to church to worship Jesus. We read the Word of God to know Him. And yes, we examine and we take hold of and we understand, but never forget that the purpose of our relationship with God is not necessarily so much that we examine Him, but that He in His Spirit examines us and changes us into His likeness. It's a mirror. It's a mirror that shows us who we are and where we're at. So it produces endurance for the trial, and the trial produces in you perfection and completion. you got to understand the context, because the need for wisdom is so that we can get through the trial to the perfection. If you lack wisdom to know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Ask God. Do you understand it better if I say it that way? If you lack wisdom, wisdom for what? Wisdom to know. Knowing. What did it say? Just a moment ago we read it. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. See, most of us forget that when we're coming to God with our request for wisdom, don't we? Oh Lord, I really need wisdom in this. Because what we want God, what we want for God is to answer our question and solve our problem when what God is saying in this passage is what I want you to have is a problem so that you ask me for wisdom so I can use it to perfect you. It's not what you thought, is it? 
And it's so important that we grapple with this, that we understand this, because we are being produced, we are being made into an image that is not my image, but the image of Jesus. And it's so important that we understand the wisdom of God does not want to solve our problems. The wisdom of God wants to make us like His Son. That's the goal here. Why? Because what the world needs is the image of the Son so that the world can be reconciled to the Father, thus fulfilling the Great Commission. See, what I have done and what I see people do is ask God in faith to deliver them from the trial. Sorry, back to my notes here. I wrote down for you this morning, he is not going to do it. Guys, Lord, oh, I need wisdom. I need you to, to show me the way out of this trial. And God is saying, no, no, my wisdom is going to come to you to bring you through the trial, to cause you to flourish in spite of the trial, to cause you to grow in spite of the trial, to cause you, cause you to become better, more like my son Jesus in this trial. That's the wisdom of God. Is that the foolishness of men? Absolutely it is. But Jesus already told us that's how it would work. God wants us in trials. God wants us in troubles. God wants us in times of testing. And his part of the deal is that he will absolutely, when you ask for wisdom, he will give you the wisdom to walk through it. You understand, guys, that God could have taken Israel in the wilderness. He, he has the power. He could have plucked Israel up as 250, whatever thousand people it was, and he could have carried them across the Red Sea, could have carried them across the wilderness, and he could have plopped them down in the promised land. He could have. He could have. But he didn't. Why? Well, how much of the New Testament is foreshadowed how much of the New Testament is foreshadowed in the story, in the telling of the Old Testament journey of God's people through the wilderness? All of it is foreshadowed there. All of it is foreshadowed there. You see, what God does in my life and your life is build a testimony on which other people can look back and rely for their present in the future. That's how God's doing this thing, guys. That's how God is doing things. And we got to get a hold of this because some of you are in a trial, in a circumstance, in a struggle, and you don't see the way out, and you don't see how God can still be good in spite of your circumstances, and you have a problem with your Heavenly Father because of it. And God's sitting there going, I will give you exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or think. I will give you wisdom that will blow the doors off of your carnal thinking. I will give you spiritual bread. I will provision you for this journey. I will people you for this journey. I will prosper you in this journey. All of these things are the promises of God, but we misapply them. You have not because you ask not, and when you do ask, you ask with the wrong intention. You ask so that you might spend it on earthly pleasures. 
I don't know how many times the Bible speaks to our misappropriation of the goodness and the grace of God in what he wants to give us. And can I just tell you this morning, if you can't get your head around this, there's two issues. One, you're just not quite ready and willing to try. Or two, you don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit of God who will guide you into all truth. Those are the two things that stand in your way. Your head and how your heart hears from God. Listen, if you ask him for wisdom concerning your trial, here's the next part of the verse. You need to stand in faith for as long as it takes to receive that wisdom. Well, I asked the Lord. He didn't give me wisdom, so I'm quitting. Well, that's a sad story. Because when you ask God and you abandon him in his plan for your life, there will be no testimony of victory. Victory is for those who persevere. Oh, right. Because trials produce endurance, and they produce perseverance, which leads us to perfection. Guys, this, this spiritual house that God is building is built logically on one block stacked upon another block. Each one of those stones being living truth. You got to stand in faith for as long as it takes. You don't get to quit early. And if you won't stand in the faith when you've asked, it says what? You shouldn't expect to receive anything from God. Now, that can sound really harsh and cruel, but just examine that with me for a moment this morning. Is that not absolutely true? If you won't in patience and in perseverance stand waiting for God to speak when you ask him to speak into your life, why would you expect to receive anything from God ever? Do you see the problem that this creates? It would be like you coming to me at a dinner table at a restaurant or in my home, say, Pastor Trav, I really want you to speak into my life. And I say, just a second, because I need to take a drink of water. And you're saying, this is taking a long time for pastor to take a drink of water. <sighs> oh, that's good. Okay, you were saying what, Ed? But Ed's already gone out to his truck and left in frustration because I took too long to answer his question. We might smirk at that or feel smug about that, but let's be honest, that's how many people treat God. Takes too long. This microwave generation is spoiling people's relationship with God. I want popcorn in three and a half minutes, not a second longer. Man, if it ain't hot air popped, it's not real popcorn. Better yet, if it's not hot oil popped, it's not real popcorn. Can't even believe I let that witchcraft exist in our house. Microwave popcorn. Oh, filthy. Carcinogenic, probably. Let me just give you a moment of relief, because I know this gets heavy. But guys, if you need wisdom, you have no choice but to ask God. The wisdom God wants to give you is not to give you a free ride through trial, but to create knowledge, possessed, held, 
realized knowledge in your life that will allow you and maybe even others to triumph in adversity. Because triumphing in adversity and building that level of endurance into your life is going to be used by God ultimately to bring you and I and everyone around you in your family, in your job, in all the places of influence in your life. It's going to move you to the place of maturity, of perfection, of completion. This is the promise of Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He will see it through to the day of Christ Jesus. He is not going to abandon you. So don't abandon him. Don't walk out of the room today because God's taking too long to answer your question. God's taking too long to give me the wisdom I asked for. If you won't wait for it, don't ever expect to receive it. Because as far as I can tell, reading scripture, anywhere you look, it establishes this truth. That those who wait on the Lord are the ones who have their strength renewed. Come on. Tell me it ain't true. You can't convince me. You couldn't convince me by pulling the fingernails off of my fingers. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Those who wait on the Lord will receive blessing. Those who wait on the Lord will receive wisdom. Come on. Here's, the, here's just as I close, here's how it works. Guys, you can just come right on up. Don't be shy. Here's how it works. The Bible says everyone has been given a measure of faith. You have a measure of faith. Even if you're here this morning, you don't have a relationship with God through his son Jesus. You have a measure of faith. And here's the beautiful thing. When we accept Jesus, faith comes alive in us and begins to grow and begins to come, become something more than it could have been without Jesus. But faith does something amazing. You see, faith builds wisdom. Because faith is what keeps you stayed in that moment of waiting while the Lord is delivering wisdom to you. And as you receive wisdom, which is digested knowledge, experience in some cases, the opportunity to prove and reprove that what God said is true, that, that begins to build more faith in you. You ever noticed how wise people who love Jesus have a lot of faith? You want to know why? Because faith builds wisdom and wisdom builds faith. And the cycle goes on and on and on and it builds until you are an enormous giant in the spirit. Finally this, I'll close on this. How do you receive wisdom? How do you hear from God? We're going to talk about this a lot more in the fall. Well, Here's how you hear from God. Here's how you receive wisdom from God. First of all, you receive wisdom from the Word of God. Somebody say the Word of God. You, you receive from the Spirit of God. Someone say Spirit of God. And you know what? The last place you receive from God? From the people of God. It's true. Prophets, friends, people who are willing to look you in the eye and tell you the truth even though they know you don't want to hear it. People who love you. Parents who aren't afraid to call out the destiny of your children. I don't want to screw them up. Listen, guys, here's, let me give you the best news ever. All the faith and all the things you can say, 
it has a cap on it. it it's tethered to this, to this absolute truth. That absolute cap, that absolute truth is called the will of God. And not one of us in this place has enough faith or will ever have enough faith to change God's good and perfect will for our lives. It's his will. It is untouchable. It is unfathomable. It is unreachable for us because it's his will. And I just want to tell you that inside of his will, there are, there are millions of miles to run around. And there are better ways and worse ways. There are foolish ways and there are wise ways. But know this this morning by the Holy Spirit. That God's will, His justice, His heart, His love, His holiness, His grace, all of these things will rule and be supreme over every circumstance no matter what. So let me ask you, why would you wait to receive what God has for you today? Just ask. He's not going to belittle you. He's not going to push you down. He's not going to make you feel insignificant because you don't have what it takes for the trial you're in. Just know, God does not want to remove you from your trial. God wants to bless you in your trial. He wants to expand you in your trial. He wants to further you in your trial. He wants to build you up in your trial. He wants to perfect and complete you. Parents, you're an important voice of God in your kid's life, so start talking, some of you. Good grief, the silence is killing them. Let me say it again. Parents, start talking about the will of God to your children because your silence is killing them spiritually. Online, don't miss that. Parents are a necessary, godly voice in the life of a children. And yes, parents, you better in fear, trembling, and tears be asking the Lord for wisdom in the trials you face with your children. Pastors and leaders, you're an important voice of God in people's lives. No, duh. But you can't shrink back as a leader because it doesn't seem like people are responding the way you know they should. What's right is still right. What's good is still good. What's holy is still holy. What's perfect is still perfect. You are just a mouthpiece of what God wants to say in this world. So speak. And people, in general, hearing from God, receiving from God is not mystical. It is not mystical. There are no rainbow farting unicorns in the kingdom of God. There aren't any. I don't think. I want you to understand it's not mystical and it's not as hard as you're making it. Ask Him. If you don't believe in the Holy Spirit, by the way, you have a problem because you're missing on the part of the Godhead that is in the world today to speak to you about what Jesus wants. That's all Bible. It does not work any other way. Open your heart to what He's saying today. I want you to think of it this way. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And that confuses some of us because we're like, well, I, I don't hear the audible voice of Jesus. Okay, let, let's go to a different analogy. Not Jesus is the shepherd of the sheep, but Jesus is the head of the body. And let me ask you this this morning. How does your head communicate with your hand to do what it does? Audible? Not at, no. Maybe once or twice. I had a wreck on a quad one time and I literally had to say out loud, Travis, get up. 
But that was the only time my head ever had to talk to my body. Audibly. Guys, how does it work? Well, if you watch a baby, holding a spoon is pretty difficult the first time, isn't it? But the head is speaking to the body and the hand is learning how to do what the head wants. And so the baby grips the spoon and the baby brings the spoon up nowhere near their mouth. And all the parents who have little babies right now love that mess. But what happens as the days and weeks and months go by? The head gets better at communicating with the hand? No! The hand learns to do what the head wants. This is how the kingdom of heaven works. This is how the body of Christ works. Jesus, being the head of the body, instructs the body as to what it should do with various challenges, circumstances, problems, victories, defeats. And the hands and the fingers and the eyes, the tongue, the knees, all the parts of the body begin to learn what it is that the head is saying. There is no shortcut, church. There is only the time God has given us. There is only the trial He permits in us. And there is only the wisdom that we ask Him for to move through these things, producing endurance, which produces perfection. Would you stand? I want to pray with you. Now, Lord Jesus, I thank you for each person standing in this room, and I thank you for each person who is watching online this morning. And Lord, I pray today that wherever each one of us is at, that your word would find us in that place in our heart that needed it this morning. Holy Spirit, that you would wake us up to what it is you want to say. Lord, that you would speak clearly. Father, that the analogies of Scripture, the metaphors of Scripture, the things that have been said this morning, Jesus, would begin to make sense in our spirit. Lord, that it would not just be knowledge that passes into our ears, but that it would be knowledge that becomes wisdom by the process of capturing, by the process of digesting. Holy Spirit of God, make it plain to us. Make it real to us. Help us to draw the nutrients from your word this morning, I pray. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.